Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Kathy White. Although she had been teaching yoga for over 20 years, when Kathy turned 50, her joints were aching, her menopausal symptoms were raging, and she was not gaining any benefit from her practice anymore. After researching, exploring, and retraining, she has now refined her method into a jointful yoga for active men and women over 50 who want to keep doing the sports and activities they love. It's kind of like adding WD-40 to your joints. Kathy offers a unique and mindful approach to body and mind that rejuvenates the body, calms the nervous system, and builds strength mobility, and resilience, which are vital, especially as people grow older. In the episode, Kathy discusses how yoga for your joints is different from more popular practices, what to do if you've tried yoga and hated it, how to find a great yoga teacher, and more. If you're liking the Health Investment Podcast, I'd be grateful if you'd leave a review because reviews help my episodes reach an even larger audience. Thanks so much in advance. Now, let's hear from Kathy. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Kathy. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Oh, hi, Brooks. Lovely to be here with you. I know you're experiencing a heat wave, so <laughs> I hope you pull through. It's yeah, it's, it's hot in my office here, and I've got the windows wide open. And uh, as I said to you just earlier, there may be noises of lawnmowers or children or dogs barking in my neighborhood because the windows are wide open. So, well, we yeah, don't want lovely. you to close the windows, so we'll deal with it. <laughs> okay, good. we don't want you to be stifled in there. That would not be good. Yeah. Can you start out by telling us a bit about your background and specifically what led you to become a yoga instructor? Yeah, um, my background, I'm British, was born in the UK to a Canadian mother, English father, and I all my life have been interested in health and how and and health but not fitness if that makes sense like i never you know i i started running because everyone was running in the 80s and i was like no this is just not not my thing and then i i did aerobics because everyone was doing aerobics i was like nah this is not my thing um but my mom was always quite health conscious and i just latched onto yoga fairly early on in my 20s and really loved it because of the mindfulness piece 
really loved it because how it calmed me down and, you know, dabbled a little bit. And then it was when my first child was stillborn after a full-term pregnancy, everything was fine going well. Uh, it just all went very horribly wrong. It was um at the end of the, the in, in the delivery and he ended up dying and that was a, a, a real crash point for me as you might imagine and i didn't um i didn't do much for a couple of months and i felt very disconnected from my body and then a friend of mine said Oh come on, Kath, get off the couch. Let's let's go, let's go to a yoga class. Would you like to go to a yoga class? And I, because I've been doing yoga a little bit before, not seriously, but just you know, been been a lovely thing to dabble in. I said yes, and I went to this yoga class, and I could just feel my body awaken. You know, from being so shut down and traumatized and grief stricken and in such a dire strait that opening up to this yoga practice and it was just beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And that 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 first class still stays with me. Um that first class after Ben's death still stays with me. So that was really then a journey of exploration. And I said to my husband, oh, I want to go do this yoga training. It was in the Bahamas. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, that sounds really nice. Anyway, it was yoga boot camp. We were up at four o'clock in the morning to do chants and pujas. And it was run like a an ashram in, in India. It's like, so what? We're in the Bahamas. There was none of that. <laughs> Meanwhile, the ashram was located next to club med and so they're pay, playing like living la viva loca and <laughs> on, the, on the sound system and, and drinking obviously like having parties and we're trying to go to bed and then we're up singing our chants at 4 or 5 a.m and they're probably all hung over going what the hell's going on with right. anyway oh it was quite quite a funny scene so I did that and that was my first yoga teacher training and it was really done out of a um, just love for the practice and a desire to sort of deepen my own understanding of yogic philosophy yogic practice and it was just a classical yoga training it was beautiful and from there I started teaching and I taught because it was the best way to stay up with my my own practice Mm. So you know, as a as a side note, I'm a trained art psychotherapist and I'm a coach facilitator of the work. And those were my main professions and continue to do. I continue to coach people as well to this day. And so yoga was always just something I did to keep me mobile, limber, taught a few classes, kept going. And then... I hit the perimenopausal years, mm. late 50s, um, and it was like my joints started seizing up. And that's not an often talked about, you know, we hear about hot flushes, we hear about brain fog, we hear about insomnia, different aspects of um, menopause, perimenopause. But joint pain is quite a, a common one, actually, and it's not often talked about. 
in kind of menopausal conversations. Um, but for me, it was really quite severe. It was like, oh, my God, what's it? And, and it would move. It was like, oh, it was in my shoulders, and then it was my knees, and then my back seized up. And I was like, oh, my God. I felt like this hobbly old woman, which was highly embarrassing because I'm a yoga teacher. I'm like, what the, what the F? You know, just this isn't, this isn't so, uh, so this isn't good advertising. Um, and, and I, I, yeah, and that was, that was interesting to notice my reaction as like I, I, something I tried to, I wanted to hide, you know, I wanted to kind of hide away. And, and then I stopped teaching actually. And I, I, we, it was because of circumstances. We went to live on a, a tiny island for a year with our two kids. But anyway, wow. that, that, that's another that's another story for another podcast. But anyway, that um that year I clo- you know, I just had to deal with the, what I was feeling. I didn't teach and then I came back and then I was like I've got to change my practice. What I'm doing in yoga just isn't working and that's how just through exploration, more training, finding a new teacher, working with different ways of moving the joints that the joint renewal system, which is what I teach now, um, which I've dubbed the joint renewal system. system. It's based on Kayut yoga, but no one has ever heard of Kayut. It's K-A-I-U-T, if you want to look it up. Um, and my teacher, Francisco Kayut. But um, just for ease of saying what it does, or the first layer of what it does is joint renewal. Um, that's exactly what I, I did. And my own body, it's so different now, five years later from that moment of just complete despair about whether yoga would, would work for me in my later years. Yeah. Right. I think, I mean, at least the way I see yoga, it's kind of promoted as this cure-all it's just if you do yoga, it will do all the things. It will help, like you said, with mindfulness or flexibility or joints. But from what you're saying, maybe not all types of yoga are best for all of those things. So is it important to kind of find the type that's targeting what you're looking for? Yeah, for sure. And I think we've been inundated with this view in the West of yoga that's so infiltrated by the gym mentality, the fitness world, that even if a yoga teacher, you know, does a little meditation at the end of the class, or even if they, um, you know, say all the Sanskrit names of the poses, even if they have yogic philosophy, you know, deep within their own bones, a lot of teachers are out there teaching it like, um, okay, 10 more, nine more. We're going to hold this for three seconds. We're going to hold, you know, it's, it's got that, it's, it's been, and, and it's, it's subtle sometimes, but it's, it has been infiltrated by this fitness mentality. And then students themselves come to a yoga class thinking, well, I could go to Pilates, I could go to aerobics, I could go to my spin, or I could go to yoga. And it's like a selection of things. And it's yoga has a very different when you really understand the mechanism of what yoga is doing to the system and why it's a cure all for everything. 
is then it becomes a central tenant and and there's a very different relationship to it that people can establish through the mindfulness through the whole piece. I mean, people talk about nervous system now and trauma is very much kind of au courant with, with modern parlance. And I think what that is that yoga gives is it does restore, reset the nervous system first and foremost, because if there's going to be any benefits, any healing, any restoration, any rejuvenation of a system that's depleted, it has to be done when the nervous system is relaxed. Hmm. It won't happen otherwise. Like if you're, if you've got cortisol, adrenaline, you've got all those hormones running around your body because you've been busy and active and stressed and you've got your kids and you've got your, your work and you've got your husband or your, you know, whatever it is, you, the healing is so unavailable to that body the healing that's really needed. So giving yourself an hour where you can get on your mat, relax, rest, and go through some poses that really get inside those joints rather than this whole stretch thing. Um, it's, it's get inside those joints and start to open the joints and then the muscles will, they'll, they'll react in the right way. They'll, they'll move to accommodate a flexible joint. But what people tend to do is go, okay, I'm going to stretch, 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 but their joints are locked and that just creates instability in the system. So it's just not a healthy approach. And that's what I was doing prior to understanding this joint renewal method. I see. So it was more of a, a, a yoga for fitness approach rather than a yoga for joint health. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say I was doing yoga for fitness. I was okay. always doing, because I had a classic kind of yoga yeah. training background, I was doing, but just because of the way everyone thinks about yoga. So, I, you know, I feel like my mission is sort of re-educating people. It's like stretching, you know, stretching becomes a thing that you do in yoga. And so to eliminate the word stretch and introduce the word joints and you want pressure on the joints you want range of motion to be um, challenged in the joints and and that refocus was really different for me i've done yoga i used to do it more i lived in new york city and i had this thing called class pass and so i could go to all these different classes at different studios very easily they were all within walking distance so i used to dabble in a lot of yoga now i live in northern california I have to drive to things. There's a lot of traffic. So I do less. Sometimes I do it on my own on a YouTube video or something, but it's not the same experience as being in a class. I would go to all different types and I went to yin yoga one time, which is where you just hold the poses. And then I went to more of kind of like the core power yoga or, you know, the more, like you're saying, the kind of exercise fitness yoga, I did a lot of different types. So if you had to describe the yoga for joint health, what type is it? Is it more of kind of holding static poses on bolsters and pillows and things, or is it more active? 
Yeah, it's it's um, it's got elements of yin or restorative yoga in it for sure because the whole idea of calming the nervous system is really, really super important. What the paradox is, is that we introduce quite intense holds. We introduce intensity and pressure into the system that challenges the joints, challenges the, the system. But because it's done in this very mindful way, because it's done with this sense of, okay, how's your nervous system first and foremost? Let's drop that first and foremost. Let's get into that Zen state. And then we're going to move that ankle and we might just do ankle flexions we're going to move that ankle and we're going to hold that ankle and we're going to work that ankle like you can't even believe that ankle is possible to be moved and then we'll release and that combination of this deep relaxation and sometimes intense pressure is what brings the whole thing together, which is what creates this extraordinary healing environment. I want to take a quick break from the episode to tell you about a company I've been impressed by for years. Thrive Market is an online shopping platform that offers thousands of products at 25 to 50% off retail prices. For just $60 a year, you get access to a wide variety of premium pantry staples, supplements, beauty products, and home goods at unbeatable prices. To put things in perspective, I save about $20 to $30 per shipment, which means my annual membership fee pays for itself after just two orders. My favorite part about Thrive Market is that for every paid membership, they donate a membership to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. So not only do you save money on your purchases, but you also make healthy products accessible to everyone. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. If someone were to watch one of these joint renewal practices, would it look like the yoga we're used to seeing or does it look very different? Most people who come to my classes who have done a fair bit of yoga before, when they finish the first class, they go, well, that that was different. <laughs> <laughs> so it can look similar. It does have, you know, if you, we do Sukhasana, the cross leg position, we do Bhadakanasana, the, you know, soles of the feet together, knees out to the side. We do standing poses. We do a, a warrior pose. Um, but the way in which it's cued, the way in which I've been taught to language the class and the way in which the class progresses and the sequences themselves just has a very different pace, very different tone to it. And students are invited to really notice and feel different things than they would have normally been invited to notice and feel in a regular class. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where can someone find this type of yoga? Is this very 
niche or is it widely available? Um, it's been slowly coming up to North America because it's originated from Brazil. So the, the lead teacher, Francisco Cayute, who developed the method, he's a chiropractor by training. And he, um, just a little bit about him, he had a childhood accident. His hip was damaged as a child and because of that grew up with chronic pain and through his own research with using his body as his own experiment came up with this system of of joint renewal and you know to see him walk across the room you would never know he had like half a hip socket missing you know it's like it's just quite extraordinary um he walks like a gazelle so he's like a living testimony to the method he he's worked it and his son was born with a deformation of the hip interestingly enough a hereditary thing that can happen and he teaches as well and his son is also just this amazing yogi so they've slowly through invitation just started to bring it to north america boulder has in Colorado, they've got quite a little hub of um, Cayute Yoga centers because that's where Francisco first came to the States and was invited to teach. Um, but now there are more and more, he's doing more and more trainings and there are more and more teachers teaching the Cayute method. And um, yeah, to, to look it up online um, and, and, and find out more about it is, you know, really encourage people to do that. And of course, you know, my system, <laughs> the joint renewal system is very much based on the Cayute method, but it's also based on other, um, like living in Scotland for 23 years, I lived in a spiritual community and I used to run retreats and mindfulness sessions and meditation practices. So I've got a very deep meditative approach to how I teach. So although that is within the Coyote method, it's even more pronounced within how I teach as well. Mm. You mentioned chronic pain. So I was going to ask if somebody has an injury or somebody is older and very stiff and they have trouble getting up and down off the floor. Can people, can anyone do this or is it really for a certain type of person that has more joint movement? Like what if somebody's joints are really, really stiff? Yeah. Yeah. No, it absolutely. Whatever state your body's in, um, come, come to, come to a joint renewal class. I would say, um, there's a lovely phrase that my teacher says, which is we don't practice despite the fact that we have restrictions. We practice because we have restrictions. That's why we need to get on our mat because there are these pains, these issues, these chronic conditions that the body is trying, struggling to reconnect. But if the pain is being avoided, because there's a very different relationship to pain that I've learned through this method as well, um, to, to actually turn towards and go to the pain and start to understand what the body is signaling and work out, you know, with 
time with practice, work out where the alignment is off, where the alignment can come back in, um, where the compensatory patterns are actually playing. People often come to my classes and they say, you know, oh, Kathy, I've got a chronic back issue and my back this and my back that and da da da. And I get them on the mat and within two or three classes, I can see very clearly the issue actually is in their hips. Mm. Their back has been compensating and trying to give the mobility that the hips should provide. And the back is seizing up and saying, can't do this anymore, but the hips are really tight. So that's one example, and there's plenty of other examples. Often the thoracic spine in a lot of people is really tight, that area behind the shoulder blades. And again, that can create neck issues, shoulder issues, or low back issues come from a stiff mid-back. But people don't know that because they've moved away from feeling and so we bring them back to feeling gently kindly you know there's nothing aggressive about this practice whatsoever um, but it's intense mm -hmm. it's interesting you say that i think in western medicine especially we're used to kind of looking at one body part and isolating that body part but with eastern medicine i think there's more of a appreciation for the entire body system and how everything's interconnected. And so I had another guest on who was talking about headaches and how a lot of headaches can stem from issues with your neck and shoulders. And so as you were describing that, you know, maybe we think, oh, my back, my back, my back, and we're trying to address the back pain. But like you said, maybe it's actually a hip issue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why this method, we don't go for specific joints. It's like, oh, you know, sometimes I'll say, oh, here are a few nice things to do with your knees, you know, if you've got knee issues. But really, I shy away from telling people that or prescribing that kind of approach because it just reemphasizes that, oh, I've got a knee issue. I need to do knee mo movements. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also, not just the medical profession, but the physiotherapy profession. I was talking to someone yesterday who said, oh, but my um, health insurance only allows my PT, my th physiotherapist, to deal with my knee. Hmm. She can only give me knee things because I've got knee pain and knee, knee whatever. And it's like, and it might not even be the knee that's the issue. It might be in the ankle. It might be in the hip. It might be in the spine. And, um, yeah, so that reductionist point of view is very counter to what we're trying to teach through this method. Yeah. What if someone is listening and they're thinking, I've tried yoga in the past and I hate it. What would you say to mm -hmm. that person? <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> There are some yoga classes out there that I would hate too. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would say just um, try and erase that thought if you can. Like, you know, not, not denying that, that that was a reaction to a class, but just trust that that was a good reaction to that class and that teacher or that time in your life that yoga wasn't right. And maybe try again. You know, just cultivate a little bit of curiosity to say, oh, okay, what what if I try 
a different class, a different teacher. And then if you don't like that teacher, we, we, we're very trained. We're kind of like dog trained. We're like, oh, <laughs> we just got to do what teacher says and we've got to do our homework and we've got to be good students. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit of that that goes on, especially for women, I think. And and it's like, no, if you don't like your teacher, just don't go back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have plenty of people come through my studio who they come for the you know trial offer of three classes and, and then I don't see them again. And they say, thank you very much. And they, they don't come back. And, and then I have my core of people who absolutely adore me and love me and been with me for years because my voice, my resonance, my teaching is is exactly what they need. And they found that match. Um, So yeah, that's what I would encourage. If someone says, I hate yoga, don't blame you. (laughs) I completely understand what you hate is that yoga that you experienced then. Come back to present moment, try another class because not all yoga is created equally. Not all yoga is the same. But any stretch of the imagination. I mean, some things, some forms of yoga, I'm like, why are you even calling it yoga? (laughs) Please call it something else, you know? (laughs) Well, I can speak to that having gone to so many. Um, Is it Ashtanga? Is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. So I found a studio that had that type of practice and they had a fireplace and it was these beautiful wood floors and I liked the instructor. So that was my favorite one. And then I would go to another studio that offered the same type of practice and it was just a very different vibe. Mm-hmm. And so it just, I think you have to, like you said, just realize that yoga, you can't paint it with a broad brush stroke, right? Like it's very nuanced yeah. and it's very nuanced, very, very huge differences between teachers, between methods, between, but what I would say is that when you've finished your yoga class, you want to feel like an ideal state is that you can't believe an hour has passed. Mm. Because if you've lost sense of tr- time, if you've been able to go that deeply into your practice, then your brain waves, your whole neurological reset, your nervous system um, relaxation, will that means it's happened because you've gone into a timeless place. And so you come out of it and go, wow, was that an hour? That that's that's a really good indication for a great class. If you're clock watching. <laughs> Maybe you can do some, you know, mindfulness breathing and come back and just remember that this is a time for meditative movement and and find something, um, find a way to anchor yourself into the movement. Um, but also, if you're clock watching, notice why. Why do you want to get out of there? Is it because it's not really the right teacher or right class for you? Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in evidence-based sustainable weight loss. If you're ready to stop yo-yo dieting and start living a healthy, active lifestyle you're proud of, I'd love to work with you in one of my programs. Unlike restrictive, one-size-fits-all diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed nutrition and lifestyle habits that work for your unique likes, dislikes, and time constraints so you can lose weight permanently, have high energy throughout the day, 
feel completely in control of cravings and stay consistent long-term. To learn more, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Health Investment. Mm-hmm. Also, I think it's it can be, like you said, it's difficult. It's challenging. It's not easy work. So maybe give it a chance too, right? After a few classes, because it can feel intimidating when everybody else in the class has been there multiple times. It's your first time. Your body doesn't move the way you want it to, or at least mine doesn't. When I start up yeah. yoga again, it's hard. Yeah, having having that um, expectation of yourself, and then the reality of yourself. If they're two different things, if they're too far apart from each other, that expectation and that reality, then yoga is going to be. You're going to hate yoga. Hmm. If you have a lower, you know, lower your expectations of yourself and just meet yourself, meet the reality of who you are. So, yeah, sure, there might be a stiff shoulder. You may not be able to go, you know, in the direction that the teacher is telling you. But go if if they if you've got a really good teacher, they'll see that, they'll understand that, and they'll say, stop there. Don't don't go any further in that. No, you you're you're good. You know, and, and they'll really encourage you. A good teacher will encourage you to come out of a pose early. They'll encourage you to rest. They'll encourage you to take a walk between postures. So that that whole reset, relax, restore mode is continually emphasized again and again. Even if you have those challenging moments, then you come back to the restore the reset, because that's also what we're training in yoga is that ability to be adaptable and to be functional and to be functional in this world. We need to get up and go. You know, we need to go do our busy lives, but we also need to. And this is what's greatly lacking in our society. We also need to rest. We also need to be able to reset and restore, even if it's just for five minutes. Like that, you know, why people get addicted to cigarettes, I think, is not for the smoking so much as it gives you a pause in your mm. day, you know, um, and we don't pause very well. We don't really rest very well. And so yoga can train you to go in of, OK, there's something intense and then there's a rest. And so that flex, that's true flexibility. It's not how bendy your body is. It's how easy you can go in and out of being active and engaged and being rested and calm. When I first started yoga, I used to think that when the teacher came over, it was because I was doing something wrong. <laughs> and then I would get so nervous that somebody would come over. And then I started to realize that's actually the sign of a really great teacher when they're coming over and helping you adjust. And then I would crave it. And if somebody didn't come over, I would think, oh, that kind of stuff. Like I wanted them that kind of personal attention. So, you know, I think also don't be worried that you're doing something wrong. Or I had one teacher say, if you're breathing, you're doing yoga. And that really right. stuck with me because it just released pressure of doing yeah. it right. And so I would exactly. just tell myself that if I was struggling, I would just say, you're doing it because you're breathing. So yeah, yeah, everything's fine. And, and, and to move away from the struggle, you know, that idea of struggle and where the struggle happens, 
that's detrimental is in the mind. So, yeah, there might be a little challenge physically and, you know, you've got your leg in the air or you're doing something. It's like, whoa, hang on a minute. But as long as the breath can accommodate and that you're breathing the breath of the pose and you're not holding the breath, and as long as the mind is rested still, even though there's this, this intensity, then you're getting the benefits of the practice. But the moment that the mind goes, oh, I can't really do this, and I, oh my God, when's it gonna end? And why can't you, and the breath has stopped, and you can hear in my voice that reaction, but we've all been there. You know, I've been there in my yoga practice, and it's just so unhelpful, and no results are gonna come from that kind of practice whatsoever. If someone's listening and they're currently walking, and let's mm -hmm. say maybe they swim, maybe they lift some weights and they're thinking, oh, I, I could really benefit from yoga for joint health, but I don't have a ton of extra hours to devote to this. What's kind of the bare minimum amount of time that somebody would need to go to these classes in order to see improvements in their joint health? I mean, that's a good question. It's kind of like a, how long's a piece of string because, you know, <laughs> I would say everyone needs this like a daily flossing of the joints. Mm. Um, we just don't have that relationship to our joints that we should have <laughs> to to make sure that they stay mobile, especially as we age because they do start to seize up and you start to see that in people's um how they walk, how they are as, as we age. And that's not necessary. Um, so, you know, it depends how committed you are to keeping your joints, keeping their range of motion or increasing their range of motion uh, as you grow older. Uh, so, I would say a daily practice is great. And, you know, obviously we live busy lives and you want to keep on walking and you want to keep on going to the gym and doing your weights and, and everything else. Then, you know, if you can squeeze in an hour, two hours a week, that would be wonderful or 15 minutes a day. In my membership site, I have the daily 15, which my members love because it's their 15 minute videos and they can follow and they're just Dun, 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 dun. And, and it sequences it through quite a number of different poses. Um, but the, the really committed ones who actually stay with the practice and want the results that the practice can give, they're doing two, three hours a week at least, if not every day. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that you're going to give us a resource in case somebody's interested, because I think in a lot of places, it could be hard to find this type of yoga. So it's great that you have this online resource, and we'll definitely share that. If someone were interested in, you know, signing up for your membership site, do they need special equipment or props to practice? Or can it just be a map? It can be just a mat and not even that. You could have just a blanket or a towel to lie on. You know, I say when people go on holiday, it's like, don't worry, you've got, you know, the hotel provides a towel, so hopefully. <laughs> hopefully you're staying in a hotel hopefully. that would provide yeah. a towel. <laughs> yeah, just depending on the hotel. Otherwise, find um, a new hotel probably, yeah. <laughs> um, but then, and then, 
you can improvise with everything that you have around you. If you have, you know, if you need a yoga strap, you can use a belt or a scarf. If you need a cushion, a bolster, you just grab a cushion or a pillow from your bed. Um, everything that if you need a yoga block, you can use books. It can all be improvised. There's no equipment, special equipment necessary. Although we do use equipment in the practice, it's not like we're precious about it because really what the equipment is doing is just making you more versatile for the environment in which you live. So, yeah, you can sit on the floor, but you can also sit on a cushion and that just raises your hips up. And so you've got a different angle in your hips. So props are used in order to create variety in the practice, not for any other reason. So therefore, the prop itself isn't important. It's just that it, that you have some ver variation. Mm. One of the final questions I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Well, investment's a great word because we're, we're very savvy or not, <laughs> about making investments for our future in terms of finances, you know, having a, um, a, a, a retirement plan or, you know, building a home or whatever it is that you, you're saving a nest egg for. So making an investment and people invest in their careers, they invest in their um, in their training in doing, you know, extra things. And I think a health investment often gets forgotten until somebody has a health crisis. And then it's like, oh, maybe I haven't been making enough deposits into, into my health investment. And so making a health investment to me means that every day, every day you're thinking, how can I care for this this body, this vehicle in which I live? How can I care for this mind that gives me these thoughts? How can I care for this system and this spirit that lives within this body and mind? How can I care for them um, to bring me health? Because health is, without health, everything falls. You know, when we get sick, everything falls away. Mm -hmm. It all stops. So a health investment is, well, an investment into an amazing life. Mm -hmm. What, when you were talking about that, it was making me think of a conversation I had with a client the other day and I'm going to botch it. She said it much better. It might be a quote somewhere, but it's the idea that we often do what's urgent, but what's urgent is not always what's important. And so all mm -hmm. the urgent things can distract us from what's important. And so the emails, the, you know, picking up kids from school, getting dinner on the table, all those things are kind of urgent, but, and they are important in a way, but then looking at that deeper layer of these other really important things we need to do, we need to be sure the urgent doesn't kind of overshadow those things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and also long-term, I mean, really think long-term. It's like, where do I want to be in 10 years? Like, where do I want to be in, in, in 20 years? Where do I want to be in my 90s? When I turn 100, what am I going to be doing? Because the the science is out there. I mean, they do say, they, they reckon we can live to 120 pretty easily these days. And it's not going to be difficult for women in our generation to, 
do that if they make the health investment now. Mm. And, you know, by listening to your podcast and other podcasts out there, educating yourself and, and putting it into practice what you can do and one of the you know biggest killers is stress so if you can really find time in your day time in your week to de-stress and and to relax and for me yoga is it um then that's a that's a true health investment where can listeners follow and find you and get these videos you speak of. <laughs> yeah. So in Kathy White Yoga membership, I have these videos um, and a whole bunch more other stuff. I also give a live yoga class once a month and I give a live coaching call too. And I coach people using my mindfulness tools to get them onto their mat. Usually it's people are, oh, I haven't been doing practicing yoga. So we just talk through that and and we find not you know the routine and set the time and da, 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 all those things it's just what's going on in your mind what are the mental blocks what's getting in your way from your practice and so I coach all my members on that and that can be found at kathywhiteyoga.com so www kathy with a k white as in the color yoga all one word kathywhiteyoga.com and um, there is a, a free guide on my website um, to the things to avoid when doing yoga over 50. I mean, and if some of your listeners are younger than 50, please download the guide. I do have members who are younger than that because they're already thinking ahead. They're already coming, okay, I'm in the middle years of my life and I'm going to move forward and what's that going to look like? And they're planning and they're preparing. So, yeah, very welcome to join. You don't have to be 50 to to download the guide or join Kathy White Yoga membership. And, uh, and I also have live Zoom classes. I do a hybrid class from my studio as well, and that's all on the website. So, yeah, Awesome. That's, a one-stop that's the place shop. to go. Great. Well, I will put a link in the show notes as well. So it can be easily clickable. And I just want to thank you so much, Kathy, for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with us today. And I know we all look forward to going to your website and checking out your resources. Thank you. Thank you, Brooke. It's been a pleasure to speak with you and talk about this joint renewal yoga. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.